JP is uh, far too kind. Uh, it's, it's such an honor to be here and share the word of God with y'all. Uh, bef- but before I share the word of life, uh, I just wanted to uh, bless you with my wife. And uh, she's going she's gonna to come up here and she's going to come up here. And, and my, my wife is a... She's a professional singer. She's a jazz vocalist. Yeah, and um, and uh, as much as I want her to minister to you before I preach, uh, I want her to minister to me. And so uh, we just want to give an opportunity for the Lord to use her. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Boo. I'm going to sing for you guys tonight. One of my, I guess, a regular song that I do a lot when I'm leading worship. I'm a church musician uh, who happens to be trained uh, in a variety of genres of music, and I sing in a lot of languages. Oh, sorry, that's empty. I tried to refill it, um, but I didn't know how to ask the lady how I can fill it because we drank all our water at dinner, too. Okay, I'm sorry, boo. In two ways. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross. My sin, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out. Among the scoffers, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Why should I boast in anything? No gifts, no power, no wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ, his death. And resurrection. Why should I gain from his reward? Why should? 
I gain from his reward. I cannot give one answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds, his wounds have paid my ransom. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, his wounds have paid my ransom. I, I'm always, uh, I'm always uh, elated and uh, and relieved when I hear my wife sing uh, before I preach because uh, I know I can't follow that, um, and I think that takes the pressure off, you know, uh, and it humbles me, it reminds me of um, what 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 kind of treasure. I have uh, in the gift of marriage, and uh, I know that uh, some of you guys have been wondering, might be wondering how long we've been married. We've been married for about a year and a half, and uh, everything's still fresh. Um, we we just celebrated uh, two years of knowing each other, so you can do the math, right? We got married in less than six months after meeting, so um, Things are still a work in progress, but it is such a joy to minister alongside my wife, to point you guys to Christ, uh, you know, walking through the subways of Korea. Uh, we're always looking at signposts, right? Left and right. Keep your head on a swivel. And you're looking at signposts. And I was reminded while walking through the subways that you know, that's what we are as salt and light of the world. You know, we're not pointing people to ourselves. We're not pointing people to our gifts and our talents. We're pointing people as signposts to the destination, to the one, Jesus Christ. And uh, with that said, uh, I want us to look at a familiar character for a lot of people who grew up in church, but if he's unfamiliar, it's fine. But uh, a guy named Zacchaeus uh, in Luke chapter 19 and not one person uh, would imagine that Zacchaeus would be a signpost for the Lord. Um, but he did glorify God as a tax collector, um, which is, you may not know how uh, evil or notorious tax collectors were back then, but I'll explain it to you in a moment. 
but let's look at Luke 19 together, verses 1 through 10. Verses 1 through 10. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And after you find Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, uh, would somebody be kind enough to turn to uh, Hebrews 11, verse 31, and uh, read it for us? Uh, you can just stand up wherever you are. You don't understand. You can just sit and read wherever you are. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31. If somebody could read that for us. Hebrews 11. Chapter 11, verse 31. Anybody like to read that for us? Just one verse. Okay. Now, if some of you guys are familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, it's, uh, it's known or nicknamed as the Hall of Faith. Uh, if you're familiar with sports, there's a Hall of Fame in the NFL. Uh, in, in basketball, NBA, um, and people call the Hebrews chapter 11 the Hall of Faith because it gives us a rundown of all of these uh, notable men and women of faith. Now, the reason I point out verse 11 before I look at Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19 tonight is because when you think of um, what a prostitute is, uh, you know, my wife and I were walking through Itaewon last night, and a friend of ours told us that there's a place called Hooker Hill in Itaewon. Yeah, and if I walked there alone, you know, they would think I'm a client, and uh, or they would at least uh, they would at least approach me. And uh, you think about what a prostitute or a hooker does for a living, right? It's, uh, it's debasing and dehumanizing work. And, of course, we all abhor it. You know, I, I believe that you know, all of us would not uh, approve of that kind of lifestyle or that kind of work. But, you know, as I was reading Hebrews 11 again, this is past tense, correct? Hebrews, the, right, the author of Hebrews is speaking in past tense about Rahab. But he still labels her as a prostitute. He doesn't say Rahab the church musician, or Rahab the pastor, or Rahab the deaconess, or, you know, something like that. It's Rahab the prostitute. She's still known as a prostitute in the hall of faith. When does God choose you? When does God change you? When does God save you? When does God heal you and rescue you and bring you into his family? Well, as we'll see in the life of Zacchaeus, as well as we see in the Old Testament, uh, particularly in the life of Rahab, God doesn't need you to change to change you. God doesn't need you to stop doing or start doing something in order to love you. I'm positive that there are 
people, if not all of us in this room, who are still struggling with something. Struggling with something as subtle as paranoia, the fear of people, the uh, approval addiction, or something as severe as sexual addiction. But God used a hooker while she was selling her body. God glorified himself in the life of a tax collector. Wow. He was ripping and running. Ripping and running meaning he was exploiting people, his own people. I'm not saying if you're struggling with pornography or if you're struggling with um, something evil, something malicious, that you can keep doing it and it's fine. I'm just trying to tell you by the power of the gospel that you don't need to stop doing anything in order for God to love you, in order for God to use you. When I was young, I always wondered, how can God use someone like me? I have so many issues. I have so many problems. I have to stop watching porn. I have to stop objectifying women. I have to stop cursing. I have to stop uh, getting angry and, and losing my temper. And then God will use me. But we see throughout the spectrum of the Hall of Faith and, and, and the spectacle of these saints of Scripture that God doesn't need your help to change you. God doesn't need your help to love you. God doesn't need you to be God. He is awesome with or without you. And that's why we worship Him. Right? If God needed our help to love us, He's not a God worth worshiping. He's not worthy of my worship. Right? He's not enough. Right? And so, I just wanted to encourage you guys with that, because um, I, I know that uh, being a pastor, uh, you always think like, God will use me more if I can pray more or know more of the Bible. And I've, I've been a pastor for 20 years now, and I can tell you that in the darkest and the nastiest days of my life, God still used me. Yeah, he's still using me. Even when I'm not good to my wife, that's the worst thing I could do, right? Even when I'm not good to my wife, he still uses me. And she'll tell you, I wasn't that nice to her today. <laughs> you know, that's not funny. But <laughs> that's not funny. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm not always nice to my wife, right? Like, that that's goes without saying. But here he is. He still gives me this platform. He's still, you know, he's still using me. So I just want to encourage you um, uh, with that truth. As we look at Luke 19 and how God... Uh, invades the life of Zacchaeus, um, but how he loved Zacchaeus before he changed. That's the way any of us will ever change, right? That we believe that God loves us just because. And then um, from that identity produces activity, right? It initiates, um, it initiates a godly living. So look at Luke 19. And I hope that you can read the story with new eyes in, in light of what we just read in Hebrews 11. Uh, it says in verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And I want to pause there because, uh, you know, Nikki and I, we took a plane here, obviously. 
and um, when you sometimes when you travel, there's layovers, right? There's a final destination, and then there's layovers proceeding. And Jesus was on a layover. He was passing through Jericho because his final destination was Calvary, the cross. And Jesus took a layover for a wicked individual. If you had 72 hours to live, what would you do? Who would you see? Where would you go? Jesus visited Zacchaeus. And in verse 2 says, And behold, or looky here, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus hurried and came down and received Christ joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who was a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it four times the amount. And Zacchaeus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You know, uh, I don't know if you guys are fans of pho. Are you anybody here fans of pho, right? Vietnamese food. I had some Korean pho last night with my wife. Yeah, you know, the pho, right? So we're, we're big fans of pho. And, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, back home, there's all kinds of like funny pho names, right? Like, 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 uh, okay, there's some inappropriate ones, <laughs> right? Yeah, just think of King after the name, right? So there's some like, yeah, it's just like, like, for real, right? Um, a lot of crazy ones. You've heard some funny ones too, right, baby? Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, I, when I was living in Houston, Texas for a brief moment, I was, uh, just taking a break from being a pastor called sabbatical, um, every seven years. Pastors take a break, or they should at least, and just, uh, just rest. And, I was in Houston, Texas, and Houston, Texas happens to have a large Vietnamese population. And I was going to a church that had a lot of Vietnamese people at the church. And my friend Sang, his name's Sang Tran, he invited me over his house. And I said, so what we have for dinner, Sang? And he said, I will make you my homemade pho. All right? I was like, word? Are we going to have some pho? All right. And so I never had homemade pho. And I only had restaurant pho. Uh, and uh, like commercial pho, right? Um, yeah. So I go over to Sang's house and, he, and I, I just see the layout, you know, of, of the raw meat that you just plop into the, the boiling hot broth. And uh, to sum up the story, after I had Sang's pho, I was ruined. 
I was ruined. I, <laughs> I know, like, I, I, yeah, I know, right? I was walking down memory lane, right? nostalgia. Okay, okay, so everyone is a snob in, in certain categories, right? And so after I had that pho, I became a snob. You know, a pho. I, 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 I looked down on all other pho. You know, like, you know, and I just like, yeah, like, yeah, I just, yeah, definitely. I, I cursed other pho. And, <laughs> and so now when I go eat pho at other restaurants, I, I have the lowest expectations so I don't complain. Because I was ruined by Sang's pho. I couldn't go back to my former restaurants, to the places that I thought had fantastic pho or outstanding pho. Um, this story is not so much about how Zacchaeus contributed to his salvation with his contributions uh, to the poor and the needy. This sermon is not about how Zacchaeus sought Jesus. Okay? This sermon is not about uh, how how you can piss off church people. You know, that's pretty much what happened in this story too. Uh, that is a part of the story, but the focal point of tonight's message is how Zacchaeus was ruined by the grace of God, by the riches of his grace. Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, but he stacked his paper the wrong way. There's a right way to make your money, stack your paper, right? Honest living, you can think of something like a plumber, right? Or um, a beautician or something like that, right? Honest way to make your wages. But the way Zacchaeus made his wages, made his money, was wrong. He was a tax collector. Now, let me give you a contemporary picture of what a tax collector was like. Um, in those days, a tax collector, the Jewish man who works for the enemy. And who was the enemy back then? The Romans. So Jewish man working for the people who suppress his own countrymen. Um, in the black community, you will call Zacchaeus an Uncle Tom. Okay? You will call him an Uncle Tom. Right? You will call him a sellout. Right? Uh, in, in the United States, they will call me... Um, a, a, a banana or something like that, right? But I guess a rotten banana because I was white, yellow on the outside and black on the inside. <laughs> okay, I don't know, right? Okay, um, but I don't know what, what you would call someone like me. But but for most Asian Americans, if, if they're a sellout, you call them banana. Okay, um, or or uh, but uh, but Zacchaeus was such a sellout that um, he would rip off his own people by. Uh, telling them that the tax was a certain amount, increasing that amount, and then stashing the rest of it. Okay, so if the Roman emperor said, every, every Jew must pay 12% tax, Zacchaeus would go around and tell them, because his word is bond, he would tell them the tax is 15 or 20%, and then he would keep the rest. So he was a dirty, rotten scoundrel. In the eyes of his own people. Now let me give you this contemporary picture. I come from a background where um, my brother and myself, we were once criminals. Okay? Um, drug dealers. People like that. And, you know, when you sell drugs, even drug dealers have a code of honor. You know? Like, I'm going to be a little bit, 
I'm going to play the race card here for a second, so bear with me. As a Korean drug dealer, it would almost be okay to sell drugs to white people. It would be almost okay to sell drugs to black people. It would be almost okay to sell drugs to Hispanic people. It would be almost okay to sell drugs to strangers, right? Because you're a drug dealer. But you don't sell drugs to your family. You don't sell drugs to your grandmother, right? You don't sell drugs to your uncle. You don't sell drugs to your brother. You don't sell drugs to your sister. You don't, you get the picture. You don't, you don't take a dunk where you eat. I don't know if you've heard that expression before. Okay? Okay? Alright? You don't, you don't, you don't go bathroom where you drink. Alright? Okay, I know it's, it's, the expression go, comes out a little bit differently when it's PG-13, okay? But that's what Zacchaeus was doing, okay? That's what Zacchaeus was doing. That's why people hated him. He was more than a traitor. He was a brother who betrayed brother and sister, right? right? And, 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 and even as us, um, you know... Uh, we know if you have a brother or sister, it goes deeper. It, it hurts more if somebody we trusted betrays us. And yet Zacchaeus um, was ruined by the riches of God. How? Well, I'm going to share three R's tonight. One, the reservation. Two, the request. And three, the result. One, the reservation. Two, the request. And three, the result. The first thing I want you guys to see in the way that Jesus ruins Zacchaeus of his love for money and he repented and had love for God and people is that Jesus made a reservation, a reservation. You know, when I walk through uh, the streets of Seoul or Itaewon or wherever here, um, you know, Korea is a lot more impersonal. And almost cold, colder than I expected, you know? Like, I, I, I hold a door open for somebody, and they stare at me like I'm nuts, you know? Like I'm bananas, you know? I'm just trying to be kind or nice, and people are like, that's unnecessary, or like, stop trying to be better than me or something, right? Something weird like that. And, you know, when I, when I, think, about, when I think about the fact that, like, the sea of people that God will make a reservation with anyone. It blows my mind that God will make a reservation with me, that God will make a reservation with you. And he makes a reservation with Zacchaeus, not when he's going to Bible study, not when he's going to large group on Wednesday night, but he makes a reservation with Zacchaeus when he is living the life. When he is enjoying his sin, when he has no plans to change, Jesus makes a reservation. And I think a lot of us think that uh, experientially, um, speaking firsthand, uh, from firsthand experience, we often think that we made a reservation with God. That's, I think we think like that. We let God into our life. But Jesus sought Zacchaeus. 
Yes, Zacchaeus was definitely wondering who Jesus is, and he did climb a tree to look for him. I don't want to negate that. But the seeker discovers he is sought. I want you guys to know something about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He chooses you. And you know what the beauty of this doctrine of election, right? uh, JP knows what I'm talking about, that God chooses you. You know what the beauty of that, that biblical truth is? If God chooses you and you can't choose him, then he will never unchoose you. If you choose God, like I'm not saying you don't have any responsibility in this situation, but if you're the one You're the majority vote, and you have to choose God, and you have to love God before he loves you. If you could lose your salvation, you would. You would. See, we're not the ones making reservations with Jesus. Jesus makes a reservation with us. Zacchaeus was wondering what the commotion is all about. So he did climb a, a, a sycamore tree to look for Jesus. But ultimately, Jesus meets him underneath the tree and says, we are having dinner tonight. See, Jesus is Lord of all. You know why? Because he invites himself over Zacchaeus' house. I found that so interesting, you know? It's not like, hey, Zacchaeus, call my house for dinner tonight. That's the usual protocol, right? The usual Term. Like, come over to my place, I will make you dinner, and we'll have a good time. But remember, Jesus is homeless. <laughs> Jesus' home is in heaven. Right? He's, he's homeless. He's, he's a pilgrim on this earth. Like, now, following him, we are also pilgrims on this earth. And he invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. He says, You are my friend. We have a reservation tonight. I don't want to uh, in any way dismantle your testimony. If you have a beautiful testimony, praise God. But I want you to understand something about this God who makes reservation. Not for himself, but for you. You don't give God permission to love you. God loves you with or without your permission. You don't give God permission to save you. God saves you because he's God. Not because you prayed a prayer. Not because you walked down an aisle. Not because you're in the right place at the right time. That's not why God saves you. Not because your prayer was perfect or pristine. Because he is a great Savior. That's why He saves you. Jesus made reservation with Zacchaeus to ruin him of his disease. And Zacchaeus did have a disease. We all have disease, right? You call sin. But specifically for Zacchaeus, he, his disease was the love of money. And I don't know what wands, the wand says, because I can't read Korean. <laughs> but in the United States, when you look at the dollar bill, when you look at the, the bill, it says, in God we trust. 
Even money says, don't trust me, trust God. <laughs> right? Even money's like, don't trust me, homie, trust God. Right? But you know what we do? We don't trust God. We trust money. Because when you have money, you can make reservations. When you have money, you have access. You can get things instantaneously. And Zacchaeus was so in love with money, he would do things he said he would never do. He would go places he said he would never go. And it carried him into um, it, it carried him into a being, into a person he thought he would never be. You know, my mom and dad, uh, they came to the United States. They left here and went to the United States back in 1980. And you know what their model was? They're not Christian, by the way. But you know what their model was? Get rich or die trying. You know, that was their motto. We're going to get rich or die trying. They went to the United States to make money. And maybe you came to Korea in 2018 to make money. Because it's pretty rich here now. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't rich back in the 80s. But it's wealthy now. And, you know, uh, this guy named Tim Keller back in the United States, he once said that money is an idol. But furthermore, money is a gateway to all your other idols. Like, you know, weed back in the United States is a gateway drug, right? Tim Keller was saying that money is a gateway idol. It opens the, the gate to all your other idols. And you know what I discovered? After looking at my credit card bill, <laughs> my transactions, I have a lot of things I worship and love more than God. Because that's where my money, that's where my time, and that's where my energy goes into. Zacchaeus had a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. I hope you guys have a lot of money because, you know, pastors need support. <laughs> we need support. So we want, we want you to make a lot of money, okay? We need, we got, we need support. But on, on the real, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. But money is a wonderful servant, but it is a horrible master. And Zacchaeus was a slave to money. And and you know what made Zacchaeus special to Jesus? He had a disease. He was a sinner. He loved something more than God. That's what makes us special to God. That's what makes us special to Jesus. That we're sinners in need of a Savior. Zacchaeus needed serious surgery. He needed serious saving. And God made a reservation with him. Secondly, um, the request. The request. Uh, Jesus goes to Zacchaeus. Now, Zacchaeus thinks he's going to Jesus, right? But he looks down. He realized, Jesus found me. Imagine you're at a concert, right? And it's a sea of people. And then Beyonce points at you. All right? And my wife and I were laughing about this because this university is called Yonsei, right? And then it's like, so it's like, yeah, Yonsei, right? And so, uh, <laughs> yeah. So my wife and I were laughing about that on the way here. So imagine you're at a Beyonce concert. Yeah, I know you're never going to think of Yonsei at the same way ever again, right? 
Like Yonsei University, right? Yeah, the Beehive. Um, so imagine you're at a, a Beyonce concert. <laughs> Appreciate y'all laughter. Um, and you know, like she, you know, you're, you're there to look for Beyonce, right? But she's like, she knows your name. She invites you up on stage. That's pretty much what's going on here. There is a multitude. There is a huge crowd, and Jesus picks out Zacchaeus in this crowd. And Jesus wants to show Zacchaeus what his soul is worth. Oh, everybody knows what Zacchaeus is worth, you know, according to Forbes or something like that, or Fortune 500. But Jesus wants to show Zacchaeus what his soul is worth. And how does Jesus ruin Zacchaeus and show him what his soul is worth? Very simple. Our God is so simple sometimes. He's not that complicated. He calls Zacchaeus by his birth name. Do you know what the name Zacchaeus means? I had to to look it up. (laughs) I had to look it up too. Okay? His name means pure and undefiled. His name means pure and undefiled. So when his mother and father were cradling him in their arms, nestling him in their bosom, and said, what shall we name him? They weren't like, you know, they didn't want to name him anything cheap or, you know, degrading. What, what parent names their child thief, right? Or like dummy, right? They said his name would be Zacchaeus. Because whenever Jewish parents named their children, it was pregnant with spiritual belief. And they said, he will be like God, pure and undefiled. But Zacchaeus lived the total opposite of that, radically opposite of that name. He didn't live up to his name. He didn't live up to his name. What about you? You're in Yonsei, and I'm sure there's a lot of pressure on you to get good grades, to be a star, to make your family proud. And I know some of you guys are really being smushed and smothered under that pressure. You're breaking underneath all that pressure. And you feel like, I can't live up to my family name. I can't live up to this name or my brother's name or my sister's name. Some of you guys have been Christian for a very long time. And you're thinking... I've been Christian for five years, and I haven't evangelized once. I've never shared my faith. I've never told anybody about Jesus. I can't even live up to the name of Christian. You know, we all struggle with that, the name, the reputation, status. You guys call me pastor But if you watched me live for two hours, you would never want to hear me preach again. You wouldn't call me pastor anymore. I can't live up to my name, for sure. So here's a man who has built his life on money. He is poor. He is so poor, all he has is money. And then Jesus makes a request that ruins his life. He calls him by his actual name. Pure and undefiled, Zacchaeus, come down that tree, for I must stay at your house tonight. 
back home, people call me B. You know why people call me B? Because my black and white friends can't say Byung. <laughs> they can't. When I first came to the United States and they tried to say my name, they're like, what's your name, man? And I said, Byung. And they said, Bong? No, Byung. Boing? No, Byung. Byung? Not old. Byung? We're going to call you B. We're going to call you B. Because we just can't say your name. And nowadays, as I get older, when someone can say my name properly, it's like music to my ears. You know? When I was young, it was cool. Like, yeah, my name is B. You know? But now I'm older. I'm almost 40. It's like, yeah, you're too old for that. (laughs) You got to go by your real name. And now people are like, can say my name in the United States now, right? Because there's more Asian stuff now, right? People eat kimchi in the United States now. And they're like, they can say my name. White and black people and Hispanic people can actually say my name. They say byung. Five letters, one syllable. That's pretty hard, right? B-Y-U-N-G, byung. You know, I realize more and more there's so much to a name. I remember when I was a youth group pastor, I realized I couldn't forget anyone's name. You know why? That's all they have. When you're in youth group, when you're in high school, middle school, you haven't accomplished a thing. You haven't achieved anything. All you have is your name. If you forget their name, they're nothing. They're nothing. They, what, they, what they hear when you forget their name, what you communicate to them when you forget their name is you don't matter. When I remember someone's name, their eyes light up, their face beams, right? And in my opinion, I don't know for a fact, but looking at Zacchaeus' life, I don't know if anyone called him by his real name anymore. I don't know. They called him, they, they just called him slurs and derogative, of, you know? But they didn't, They didn't call him by his real name. And I know growing up, if you were a bad person, or let's say you slept around a lot, people wouldn't call you by your name anymore. They'd call you two-letter words. they call you nasty things. they stop calling you by your name. they call you by another name. they give you a nickname. And I'm pretty sure the case wasn't called by his true name anymore. But Jesus calls Zacchaeus by his name and says, we're having dinner tonight. That request changed him forever. Because what Zacchaeus discovered is that my name is safe in the the mouth of God. See, my name is not safe in anyone's mouth. Did you guys know that? Like, my mom and dad love me to death, but my name is not safe in their mouth. (laughs) They say things about me they shouldn't say about me to other people. Did you know that if everybody in this room knew what everybody else in this room was saying about everybody else in this room, wouldn't nobody be friends? Amen? Wouldn't nobody be friends? Let's just be real. Yeah, they were like, yeah, come on, let's be real. My name is not safe in your mouth. Your your name, if I knew your name, would not be safe in my mouth. And Zacchaeus understood that as a criminal, as a bad person. He said, wow, my name is safe 
in the mouth of God. And that's the only place your name is safe in. In the mouth of God. The name above all names. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down that tree. You are pure and you are undefiled. And I will make sure of it. How is God going to make an impure and dirty man pure and undefiled? Because a few days later, Jesus climbed the tree too. And Jesus climbed that tree and Jesus truly went out on a limb. And nobody called Jesus down that tree. His father held him up on that tree and Jesus became impure and defiled. He who knew no sin became Zacchaeus' sin, became your sin, so we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus put his money where his mouth is. He went all in. And he traded places with Zacchaeus. He called him down that tree and saved him. Because Jesus climbed that tree for Zacchaeus. And what was the result of that love? What was the result of that grace? The result was a new life. Zacchaeus gave away all his money. You know, when I first read this story, I I, I was confused because I was like, Zacchaeus, why do you only give uh, half your money to the poor? Why don't you give all of it away? Right? Because he had stolen so much money from so many people, innumerable amounts of people, that he had to pay them back. So he could only give half of his money away because he had to pay all these other people back. Imagine Zacchaeus coming to your house and you're like, here's all the money I stole from you. And you're like, I didn't know you stole all this from me. He's like, yeah, I did it right under your nose. I was stealing from you the whole time. You know, when I was young, um, I used to steal from my dad. You know, my dad would, uh, my dad had a, a convenience store, like a 7-Eleven in Baltimore City. And I would work the cash register. I was only 10 or 11. And sometimes I would steal from my dad. And I remember there was nights where like, it would haunt me, you know. And I'd be like, man. I want to like make all that money and give it back to him. <laughs> like put it back in the register, right? So I, I have a clear conscience. I'm not saying that this is the call of every Christian, but let me say this much. Because not everyone's wealthy like the kids, so you can't give your money away, you can't give uh, restore all the stuff you stole from people. But this is what I want to say about a result of God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. This is what I want to say about this. How do you know that you have been touched and you have been transformed by the love of God? Do you have a new relationship with God? So you're like, yeah, of course I do, right? I have a new relationship with God. Okay, I understand. Do you have a new relationship with money? 
do you have a new relationship with sex? Do you have a new relationship with love? Romantic love. Any kind of love. Do you have a new relationship with grades? Do you have a new relationship with the opposite sex? You know, I used to really degrade women. Do you have a new relationship with yourself? Because I know some of us hate ourselves. I used to hate myself. I don't hate myself anymore. I hate my sin, but I don't hate myself. I'm proud to be a child of God. I have a new relationship with the Bible. I used to be like, who believes in this? <laughs> like this book, right? God created the world in six days and he rested on the seventh. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and Mary got it on. Like, you know, I was like, who, who, like, I, who believes in this? Like God parted the Red Sea and saved Moses and the Hebrews. You know, I have a new relationship with the Bible. I believe all that now. I believe all of it. That Jesus walked on water. I believe that Peter walked on water with him. I believe it. I have a new relationship with the Bible. I have a new relationship with the church. I don't just go to church. I love the church. You don't go to church. You bring the church because you are the church. You are the temple of God. See, that's how I know I've been saved. That's how I know I've been ruined by the riches of God's grace. I still fall in love with money sometimes. I still struggle with lust. I still struggle with anger. But you know what? I'm ruined. It doesn't reach the ceiling of my heart anymore. I remember... Uh, this is a little bit graphic, but bear with me. I remember when I first became a Christian, I still fell back into pornography, right? But you know, it, it wasn't the same. It wasn't exhilarating. It wasn't joyful. It didn't bring me peace. It used to. Oh, it used to. But after I became a Christian, I was ruined. I couldn't go back to the world and enjoy it the way I used to. It doesn't mean I can't enjoy the world at all. You know, I still mess up, right? But when I did mess up, it just wasn't the same. Because I was in love with God. Even as a married man now, yes, there are are beautiful women that walk around me sometimes, you know? But I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I'm like, well, she I, you know? And I look at my wife. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> right? I'm good. But seriously, that's how we know that Zacchaeus is transformed. Because his life no longer revolved around money. Money was just money now. You ever eat out with somebody and they like pay for your bill and then you're like, oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful. And they're like, oh, it's just money. No, it's not. (laughs) No, it's not. But don't you wish that we all believe that? Oh, it's just money. It's just money. See, God is God and money is just money. He was saved. 
He was saved out of that disease, that addiction, and he was saved into a new relationship with God. And when everything revolves around God, you have a new relationship with everything else. I still have a problem with my mom. I still got a problem with my dad. But I have a new way of relating to it. I still, I was sexually abused when I was young. I still, I still wrestle with that. But now I have a new narrative. Do you see what happens? And guess what? Jesus did all of this for Zacchaeus while he was a tax collector. He didn't stop collecting taxes and then Jesus saved him. He saved him while he was a sinner. God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Right? This is good news. Let's pray. My dear brothers and sisters, my friends, my family, it is so amazing to fellowship, to celebrate Christ on a different continent with you. I keep forgetting how big the kingdom is, how unsearchable are the riches of God's grace. And where are his riches of his grace? They are in your life. They are in your story. They are in your works, in your deeds, in your love. I encourage you that while you're in Korea, that you will keep loving your neighbor as you love yourself. I encourage you that while you are in Korea, that you will love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. I know you need a degree to make money. I know you need to get a good job to make money. But Paul told the Philippians, my God will supply all your needs from the riches of his grace. He will take care of you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things God will add unto you. Perhaps tonight you are uh, like me. And you cheat on God uh, with you, you cheat on God by finding security in money. Well, God loves you there. And only when you believe that He loves you there, He loves you just because you will change. If you believe that He will only love you more when you change, after you change, you will never change. Not, not a, you will not change in a, in a God glorifying way. It will be a fear driven change. So if you are struggling with anything tonight, do not make promises to God. Do not make commitments. Believe in the gospel. Believe that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, his treasure. So that whoever 
believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Let us go to Him. Let us draw near to God. He may not change you tonight. He may not change you tomorrow. But if you keep on believing, you'll look back and realize, He has changed me. I am more like Him. And I treat others more like Him. In my sin, He is still using me. In my sin, I still glorify Him. I contribute nothing to my salvation but the sin that made it necessary. I want to invite uh, our, our sister Michelle up just to close this out. I don't know how much time we have left, but I want you to continue to pray and rest on his finished work. Be ruined by the fact that you can't mess this up. Be ruined by this love that says, you can't help me love you. You can't help me save you. Relax. It is finished. Continue to trust in that. For others in this room, like Zacchaeus, you know that you have to pay something back. You need to reconcile. You need to forgive someone. You need to confess sin. You've been holding off, but delayed obedience makes Obedience a lot harder. And so if there is somebody in your life, somebody perhaps in this room, that you need to be right with, that you need to confess sin to, and you need to uh, seek retribution and reconciliation, uh, ask God to give you the courage and the faith to step out. Write that person a letter, an email, even a text. Extend yourself. Lay your life down. Lay your pride down. Yes, you may. Yes, you may get humiliated. Yes, you may feel like a fool. you know how much this you know how much God loves this person and let him use you Father as we close tonight I think about again Rahab the prostitute and in the in the annals of scripture I expect you to remove prostitute 
and put something else there like Rahab, my daughter, or Rahab, the woman of faith. But instead, you leave her sin. You leave it in permanent ink in the Holy Bible. Why, oh God? Because you want your people to be reminded that you are glorified and that you pursue us. That you will be made famous not because we are good people, not because we go to church, not because we are sexually abstinent, but because you are good and your love endures forever. Rahab, the prostitute. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Byung, the pervert. You save everyone in different places and at different times. Thank you for meeting us where we are and carrying us home. It's in your name we pray. Amen.